Welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. So welcome back to the Ignium Sparks podcast. Today I'm joined by Marcus Heinen from Ernst & Young. Marcus described himself as uh, his purpose is about making other people successful. Um, and actually what he does is he leads the people advisory service in EY across uh, German, Swiss and Austrian countries um, for EY itself. I've been talking to Marcus over the last few months about some of the aspects of purpose and holacracy and how do you create a swarm that's agile, which we'll talk about in a few minutes time. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation because there's lots of things I know we're going to be having conversations about, which really help people understand what purpose is about, how it grows your business and how you can really engage people around it. So welcome, Marcus. Thank you for joining us. I described you as uh, your purpose as making other people successful. What does that mean for you? Because that's a really coaching specific term when I hear that. So what does making other people successful really mean? So Phil, thank you very much, first of all, to have me in this podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation over the last couple of uh, months. And I think uh, my purpose is really um, relying to me on, on since I was almost born. I mean, uh, I was always uh, in favor of helping people that last not only to my organization and my people I'm working with, that last to my family, to the wider society. And I always felt um, energy out of that. So it's sometimes people think it's a little bit selfish, uh, but at the end of the day, it's the other way around. If I give something, uh, I get something back at one point of time, yeah. not necessarily determining the time frame, but it's going to be in most instances or in the majority or in my life, always a win-win situation over the longer time of the uh, period of my time, of my life. Yeah, I love that. And I love that, 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 that thing that resides in you because a lot of people talking about, you know, they talk about finding their purpose. And I have this view that your purpose is always there. It may just evolve. But actually, that thing you said there is actually it was in you from, a, from an early age. Uh, and I think you're, you're living your purpose by doing what you do. But, but I, th I think, Phil, that's a very important point. I think that is also part of our visionary and purpose-led uh, structure. We have to work on our uh, purpose every day. And uh, there are people who find it early. Mm -hmm. There are people who will find it uh, later. And some people will never find this, um, probably need coaching, need help to find this because that makes an individual um, an individual and human mm -hmm. um, and that's very special and I think this is even more important uh, for the future of work or for all everything we have ahead of us. Yeah and, and that's really interesting that thing about making an individual in an individual and when I look at some of the, the businesses that we've worked with over the time this thing about engaging people and treating them as individuals becomes really clear um, I remember when I did my MBA many years ago we used to talk about the psychological contract between individuals and it was about how do you build that connection one-to-one. -one. And fast forward 20 years, I think people have taken a very different worldly view on this. One thing that also fascinates me is when you talk about Ernst Young in the way you're talking about, you talk about building a better working world and you in your role as leading the people advisory services. Well, what does that mean about for you building a better working world? So I think um, and there is a great stuff about people advisory services so tightly connected to our purpose, which we have established eight years ago. And if you remember what our tagline before was quality in everything we do, uh, moving into building a better working world tagline for the uh, entire organization at that time, probably 200,000 people today, more than 300,000 people. I must admit, um, 
it really uh, was difficult to understand at the time when we have released it. But of the, uh, over the course of the time, it's extremely helped to infuse and strengthen not our employer brand, but also the power of teaming, the power of uh, our entire um, organization working as a collaborative organization, although we are so big. Mm -hmm. um, so, and uh, just to really make it very tangible, when I've taken over the People Advisory Services, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, um, 24 months almost ago, um, we are, um, had the difficulties we are, that we are an inflection point. We do part, we know that parts of our business is going to be uh, disrupted by technology or even more labor arbitrage. Uh, but then it's the question, what is left for our people we have with? And building a better working world does not only belong that we are helping generally our own people, but also making the working world a little mm -hmm. bit better. Um, in, a, in a global world, um, at the end of the day, it's a net-net situation. But what is happening to the retained organization we have in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria? And when I stepped in, I was also uh, really referring to and I said, okay, there's two key messages you have to take along. First, everyone needs to start on finding their individual purpose. The second thing is, and, and, and that has something to do with identity, with the DNA we are describing. So we are created a purpose for ourselves, um, of course, derived from building a better working world. What does it mean? Mm. But even more important, knowing that we, there is uncertainty for the jobs and tasks we do today in a couple of years from now, um, we have to start now. Yeah. to work together on our future of work and the tasks that people want to do. And what happens then is that some of the people don't really can catch up or don't know this is a starting process, transformational change process. But at the same time, we are comprehensively working on a joint purpose and a joint direction. And I would like to refer to the analogy of a fish swarm. Yeah. A fish Form is, um, and, and I was thinking, uh, I'm pretty much looking always in a little bit taking analogies because it's easier for people to understand and, and, and store it um, in the brain. Um, it is, uh, a fish swarm is the most agile and most dynamic organization in the world. Okay. And although you have small fishes or probably you have partners with teams are separated from a fish swarm and they're swimming, swimming into a different direction, in, a, in an ocean who is getting more complex and is getting more hurricanes in a very uncertain situation, you have to put your um, to, to fish swarm together. The difficulty is to find the right direction. But a cool thing is about being very agile, adaptive, flexible, whatever we call it. The fish swarm itself has also changing leaders and following the principle to move into one direction and is very powerful and can defend more um, um, enemies or anyone who is not really uh, related to our uh, parts of the business. Uh, and that's, that's, that's very important for um, everyone individually um, to have a direction. And, and I love that analogy of that fish swarm because I think we, we all have that picture. We've all seen the fish swimming. And, and for listeners, you can't see me, but I'm moving my hands to show you, you know, the, the fish swimming in the sea. The, the bit you mentioned about changing leaders, there's been a lot of talk about agile leadership over the last few years uh, and during this last nine ten months with the pandemic we've had to really show agility in our in our organizations to be able to to bend and flex with the time the, the, the thing you mentioned about changing leaders i think is key how can people do this in a real world situation to change leaders to bring new people on what's the what's the things you've seen that have enabled that to happen 
I have not probably the ultimate answer, Phil, but uh, honestly speaking, uh, I experienced, uh, I mean, we have been all learned all the different management styles, management by objectives and, and a little bit more delegation, but still organizations like us in that scale think in hierarchies or probably matrix organizations. And I'm a big, big fan on holacracy or sociocracy 3.0, where we all ultimately don't have a leader, but the team itself has a clear purpose, a clear target and objective to get result. And if there's frictions between different holons, they are starting then to, through a governance model, talk about attention and resolve it. And the cool thing about it is that they probably are changing people within the holons without any uh, issue. So, uh, and and, and so it, there is no leader effectively. Of course, the individual people and how do you, you bring the people together makes a difference. And you have to be selective in terms of how you're setting up your holon structure. But at the same, of, at the same time, you, we have experienced so much more outcome and more agile and very fast delivered uh, response uh, which I think I could never imagine before. Yeah. Does it rely to any part of the organization? If you are in a production plan, which we are not, um, then it's pretty, probably pretty hard. But as we are a professional service firm, having mainly human capital, increasingly, of course, technology, um, I think there is a, is a way that the whole on holacracy approaches helping to do an inside out transformation. Yeah, that's interesting. And I love that word inside out transformation, because this is one of the key things. Um, I'm a big fan of Jim Collins's book, Good to Great, Good to Great, which I've started rereading after 18 years. Um, and one of the things that he talks about there is this, this ability for organizations to find the leader internally and have that CEO in an egoless world way step up into what he calls level five leadership. And level five leadership is actually about people take on this role in the business and and not being the ego center of the business, but being the person who, who manages it, but isn't the guru put up on a pedestal. And I really see that as one of the key things, this, this agile leadership. It's not someone who the spotlight's always shining on them. It's who the organization is visible to the world. And I think one of the things that Jim Collins really talks about, he just re-released his, his um, Beyond Entrepreneurship um, B2.0 book. And, and in there, he talks about exactly that process. And I believe that's the key to creating this swarm that you talk about within the fish, because actually that's the way that people will really move together. Yeah. What's just following on from that? I think the word purpose has been used a lot in the last few years. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's very a phenomenal experience because you are actually described and oh, sometimes, and it's misunderstood because a lot of people don't like it when I sometimes say it, but you have to distinguish increasingly between a manager and a leader. And what do I mean by that? A manager is probably perfectly spotted on driving a business financially successful, but there is an evolving uh, change happening, which is leading, and we have uh, this mega trend report, uh, which is uh, related to uh, equality. Um, there's a lot of things happening in, uh, in sustainability. There is uh, uh, health issues we have to cover. And uh, transparency over the last 10 years, also for the younger population, for the younger towns, for almost everyone, has led to the situation that uh, people want to work uh, for companies who are more purpose-led, which we describe as a strategy, mission, vision, and values grounded in humanity. So is a, mm -hmm. there is a, 
you, you're not doing it for shareholders anymore, which we have for decades educated MBAs and, and executive MBAs and managers. But now we are need leaders who follow a future for a company has a place in the world and has to give something back to uh, the society and also to our planet. Um, and that is something which is rising and is expected by the, increasingly by the workforce. Um, and so therefore leaders are really have a North Star and looking for uh, a wider um, perspective. And they start increasingly to measure not only financial impact or uh, financial value, they take into consideration ecologic value, they take uh, into consideration human value and social value. Is it finalized? No. But a lot of leaders who I'm talking to with a couple of firms, global firms, mid-market firms, they're really seriously taking this as a strategic narrative. I think that's a really interesting thing, isn't it? And, and when I asked that question about purpose, I'm glad you went down that route there because I think this strategic narrative is the key thing. And you talked about strategy, mission, vision, and values. Um, and you said that word grounded in humanity because I think this is the real change that businesses are seeing. Um, when we talked about this podcast before, we talked about business purpose and employee engagement. And I think the bit you mentioned there is key. It's about how do you ground your vision and strategy in humanity? So it's, it's not about making money, first and foremost. It's about doing something good for society. And as a result of that, the money will come. So in the, in the, the 80s, a lot of businesses drove for shareholder value. And now we're looking at saying, how else do we transform the world? And we'll produce returns as well. But actually, it's about doing something good for society to start with. And I think this is, this is the bit that I'm hearing from you there. And you mentioned about um, measuring not just money. Yeah, and can, can, we, can we probably uh, spend a minute on that? Because it's a very, very delicate thing. Because it is not the case that large corporates do not do donations or they do something for good. I mean, companies, um, uh, large tech companies doing boot camps in Africa to help the society there to learn um, technology right from the beginning. Uh, or and uh, by also or supporting um, any digital initiative to um, to grow more effectively um, seeds or uh, managing water. Also, there's a lot of things happening. But the question is, is it only um, an hygiene component, or do you embed planned mm. initiatives into your overall strategic planning and which of the measures? are paying into the overall purpose and how do you bring this together? So it, it, we should increase, I mean, this is the same like sustainability. Many years ago, a lot of people started to report and also enforced by the regulators um, to report on their sustainability footprint. Today, companies really think, how can we bring sustainability back into the DNA of the corporate? I mean, COVID-19 has significantly supported CO2 emission or decarbonization impacts because people started to less travel. Mm -hmm. We at the moment considering, um, and we are became this year, uh, no 2020, carbon neutral within EY, although we are, have a lot of people flying around. Wow. Um, I think the major impact is apart from all the activities we do uh, really driving forward our sustainable footprint is also the carbon emission based on uh, the, fl the flights and the travels we do. But because of COVID-19, we have got enforced to be locked down um, in our home offices and doing everything almost virtually overnight. Mm -hmm. And that is something which uh, is really fascinating 
what digital has an impact uh, to our companies, but also has shown and proven how can we further accelerate in using digital initiatives to drive also our purpose-led mission. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting, isn't it, in terms that that EY has become carbon neutral. And it's the actually the, the pandemic that's forced that because we've been locked down at home. But actually, there was obviously an initiative in place in the first place to be able to do that. And this has almost sped it up. So it's got it's come come to fruition quicker, which is an amazing thing. Um, I just want to touch on one thing you mentioned just now about um, is it a hygiene component or how do you embed it into the strategy? Because I think this is one of the key things. I know that um, in, 20, in 2018, 181 US businesses signed up to a pledge around um, their, their corporate governance to say that they would be looking at their business from a different angle. It wasn't the old Milton Friedman way of looking at things in terms of shareholder value. It was to say, how do we bring good to society? Um, and so I just want to pick up on that in terms of how do you embed this? How do you get people to believe it? Because we still have to make money at one side because that's what drives the business and, and success of the future. But we've also got to do good. And sometimes there's a conflict between the two. From a people perspective, what are your thoughts on creating that, that energy within the business so actually people can realize why the business exists? Yeah, so um, first of all, I'm, I think very important is that a tagline is, should not remain a tagline. Everyone needs to understand it's a, trans, it's a North Star and there's a journey to get there. Mm. The second thing, you really have to start to think about KPIs which are easy to understand, but then it's not only a component of part of your balance scorecard because every one of us down to the junior consultants have uh, balance scorecards, mm-hmm. but you have to really take it serious and in year end or mid year reviews, you have to talk about it. What have you done? For example, we have for all of the partners, really make it tangible. Uh, for all of my partners in my team, and we're talking roughly 50 um, partners I have in my team in GSA alone, I said, okay, in one of the dimension, we are, have a people experience component. Um, and uh, I said, okay, okay guys, I, I want to have, first of all, that you are starting to be an ambassador, be a role model for uh, educating yourself for something you haven't known before. So learning is beginning, becoming a very important thing. So we have badges, we call it badges program, which is globally av- available. But the question is how do you, so it's globally available, but available does not mean that you apply it. So how do you enforce it? So I made it part of the balance scorecard and said, okay, um, there's something is gonna happen. There is, for example, a purpose badge we have, a bronze badge, a silver badge, a gold and a platinum badge. You don't have to do a platinum or gold in first instance, start with a bronze badge, do a couple of them. We have a digital badge. We have an analytics badge. So a couple of things which you normally would not do or probably have fear to do it. But then you are starting also to bring this down to all of your people you're working with. Be a role model and apply it. And I'm going to measure this extremely hard as one of the major KPIs in mid-year and year-end. If you have done it, the feedback is astonishing. Because why? A lot of partners said, I couldn't believe that is so fascinating and interesting. And I really get, get to it. The second thing is I really have, a, so that touches the human value. It touches the component, how we are creating more, um, more experience and getting people more, more engaged and bring themselves also ready for the future. The second thing is also doing something practically giving something back to humanity. So for example, we have a hundred ripples program 
which you are easily can uh, download from the store. You can log in, and there are students from the world who have questions. Okay. It's a pretty cool exercise because you can do a hundred second recording of an answer for any of the questions you are uh, in favor of, in, in favor for. And uh, I said, I, I would like to have a couple of these initial, it doesn't matter what you use, we have a lot of things available, but there's, even if you do in your social, in your social community, something good for the people, I don't care, but at least I would like to have one initiative per year where you're really showing impact. Mm, wow, wow. I, I love that. So there's a real practical element of that. So, so the key I'm taking away from that is within your partners, you are first of all asking them to, um, become ambassadors to something they hadn't seen yet. So you're, you're giving them to, the chance to go and do something, but they didn't know the full answers at this stage. So there's a bit of empowerment there. You're setting some KPIs around the things you expected them to be doing. You're creating the badges, the, the purpose badge, so they've got something they can grow towards, ranging from bronze, silver, and gold, and then platinum, and if that, that's where they went to. And then the next bit, I loved what you said there, is role modeling it and measuring it so you're helping them as partners role model what your expectation is as an organization so that other junior people and other clients can see this is how these people are doing it so there's a real train of connection between what the intention is and what's actually being done in the business and if you now Phil, this perfectly uh, summarized but if you are uh, not but if now a little bit one step further and you remember what we said in the beginning on a fish swarm this is where you can create a fish swarm of all of the people involved. So uh, it's, it's the partners where it starts because of our structure, but I would like to have everyone down to the bottom of the pyramid getting uh, activated. Ideally, I cannot do it, but ideally I would not have even um, this, this hierarchies levels, which is at the end of the day, just an experience level or any promotion and progression we do shows that you made uh, an additional next step in your career, uh, but it's not necessarily tied to an organizational hierarchy yeah. uh, because everyone has a role and we have a, 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 pur a purpose and activities. And uh, even if I'm participating with young people, I say, see guys, even if I'm here, uh, the people advisory services leader, take me as, a, as an equal, take me very flat um, uh, as, and, and I will learn something from you. Mm -hmm. And probably there is something you can learn from myself. So this is really putting this holacracy world to reality to say, this is how it can happen. Even though you're the leader of the organization, actually you're looking at building a flatter structure in terms of the way you act and the way you behave. So people can see you doing those things and being taken out as the, as the role model for doing it. Yeah, and, and, and guess what? I mean, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of partners who have been growing up in a world um, where they made the career path. And for some of us, um, really, it was, I think, for most of us, was hard to get uh, and ultimately promoted to a partner and being uh, really an entrepreneur. And it's hard to give something away mm -hmm. um, because you are so successful. And you, uh, why should you change uh, a winning structure or winning team? But uh, I think in this uncertain world, in the world where no one can predict which company is going to survive and which are not, we are, we are in this digital hurricane all over the place. We have to start to rethink or con uh, consider, or as we sometimes call it, challenge the conventional wisdom every day. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, love that word, challenging the conventional wisdom. Um, 
one of the key things, again, looking at the way you're doing there is it's uncomfortable. And when you talk about agile leadership, I think one of the biggest issues that most leaders have is they've worked the way up through an organization and they're now in the CEO or leadership role. And there's a, there's a lot of power there. They've worked to get to that. So to then step away from leadership and allow someone else to step up actually takes a lot of um, nerve to do that. And as you use the word, it's hard to give away what you've worked towards. But if you're in this holacracy world where actually different leaders can take roles at different times, depending on the needs of the business, that's the right thing to do. And I love that as an approach in terms of doing it. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of vulnerability needs to be put out there. So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating. Or send us an email to sparks at evmconsult.com.